Morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. I, I was very excited to be able to come and uh, share with you on Sunday, January the 24th. Many Christians are using Jan- the Sunday before uh, what some people recognise as Australia Day. Uh, many Christians are starting to use the Sunday before Australia Day uh, to recognise Aboriginal Sunday. What's interesting is Aboriginal Sunday is not a new thing. It actually came out of, uh, from 1938, when William Cooper, an Indigenous activist, but also a follower of Christ, leader of the National Aboriginal League, met with other Indigenous leaders to encourage all churches within Australia to use the Sunday before Australia Day to pause, to listen to the stories of Indigenous people, and to seek God's leadership around how we respond to the plight of Indigenous people. So there's quite a movement at the moment to reclaim Aboriginal Sunday. If you hop online and follow a group called Common Grace or look up Change the Heart, you'll be able to uh, be participate in a service on Australia Day um, that is led by Indigenous Christians and is an opportunity to engage with that issue But as people of Churches of Christ, William Cooper is an interesting person because William Cooper was head of the National Aboriginal League. Now, the person that took over the leadership of that league is Sir Douglas Nichols. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Sir Doug Nichols. I find lots of people are not. And in particular, Church of Christ people have no idea who Sir Doug Nichols is which is interesting because I think we're all very familiar and we've just come out of, and I guess we do tend to be very United States focused, but we've just come out of celebrating, um, or the United States celebrates Martin Luther King's birthday or Martin Luther King Day. And uh, I find lots of Christians in our churches have a very high awareness of who Martin Luther King was and all that he represents and how he worked as a Christian. Well, for us as Australians, I would go as far as to say is Sir Doug Nichols is like having Martin Luther King rolled up with Michael Jordan if you wanted to make an American comparison. Because you see, later in the year, if you follow the Australian Football League or the AFL, they'll have the Sir Doug Nichols round. And I can promise you one thing, the Australian Football League doesn't have a round called the Sir Doug Nichols round because he was a really good Church of Christ preacher who spoke pretty well on a Sunday morning. AFL aren't really into that stuff. They have a whole round called the Sir Doug Nichols round is because he was the best of the best of Australian League footballers of his era. He was quick, he was accurate, and if he got hold of the ball, he would usually see his team win by a lot of points. But Sir Doug had some real challenges as a young man and One of the challenges was that when they identified his skills and gifts as a local footballer and invited him to come and play in the big league, which was the Victorian Football League at that time, when he turned up to Carlton, the people that provided the massages and did the physical training said, I'm not touching that man's black body. And so pretty much was told to get stuffed and go away. Fortunately, Doug found another football club, but more fortunate than that, because you see what that welled up in Sadag, and he talked about it in, in his writings, is it welled up in him a sense of anger and injustice that he said started to burn as a fire. And one of the things he talks about that when we face injustice or when we face difficulty, 
it starts to burn at us. And so Doug would say that's a great point of risk for all of us. For you see, when that fire starts to burn up, he says there comes a crucial moment. That fire can become something that enlightens and informs us, but it also has the risk of becoming something that can consume us from within. And so Doug Nichols said he began to realise that the anger he had for the treatment that he received as an Indigenous Australian was starting to become an anger that was destroying and burning and consuming him up from the inside. And it was at this time that he met a minister and another person who followed Jesus Christ. And he was introduced to Jesus Christ. He was introduced um, to the very God of the universe that lived among us. But in Jesus Christ, he recognised someone that himself had also been rejected by the world, who was also an outcast in the very land he lived. Someone who realised that at the whole time was risking of being rejected. And in Jesus Christ, he recognised something more powerful than hate, which was love. And so Doug Nichols then talks about in his response of following Jesus Christ that he received the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God in our lives. And as Christians who follow Jesus Christ, we believe, one of our Orthodox believes that in our following of Jesus Christ and choosing to be aligned with Jesus Christ, we are people that go into the life of Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to do that. That is the presence of God, the very Spirit of God present within us that begins to form us and shape us into the type of people we can become. And that is hopefully people of love. So Doug Doug Nichols talks about how that moment allowed what could have destroyed and consumed him in hate and anger became a fire that was realigned with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And in love, he sought to bring justice and hope to his own people, but also to do that in a nature of love and in a transformative way. And so so Doug Nichols is worth finding out about. He was a Church of Christ minister and later, of course, the South Australians. He was a South Australian governor, came here and governed the state. So if you're a a good Church of Christ person, you probably want to make sure you you catch up on, on that particular story. It's fantastic to be here, not just on... Aboriginal Sunday, it's just great to come to Brooklyn Park Church of Christ. So I arrived with my family. We all arrived in January last year. We've been here about a year um, from Western Australia. I worked with the Churches of Christ there and then uh, picked up the role of State Minister CEO with Churches of Christ South Australia. And we've moved and come across and uh, we landed in Mile End because it's near the state office. So we've landed there. Um, Maya, who's here today, she goes to Torrensville Primary School. My other daughter goes to Uh, Temple College. Um, So this has been a place where um, we've connected in in some way. I I think uh, before COVID happened, and that's language we use now, isn't it? We talk about BC, before COVID. And I wonder whether we'll have AV, which will be after vaccination, but who knows where we're headed with that stuff. (laughs) But before COVID, um, you used to do a Wednesday night meal as part of the rotation of youth group here. So we connected in with the Wednesday night meal. So we know some of you from then. Um, Our two daughters have continued to be part of the youth group here and I encourage you to continue to support your youth leaders. They do a wonderful job on Wednesday night. This is an excellent youth ministry here. So you have some really wonderful uh, leaders who aren't looking for any recognition or celebration. But can I say there, as a parent, they are fantastic leaders. So we really appreciate Brooklyn Park 
and what Brooklyn Park does, and, and we love the opportunity to come and share. And one of the privileges I get as well is to come and share at all the different churches of Christ around South Australia. It's a bit different. I think in 2019, before I came here, I still had a role with the the State Office of Western Australia with Churches of Christ, but I'd spent about six months uh, located at one particular local church doing an interim ministry there. And it was fantastic because one of the habits I've developed probably over the last few years is I use the beginning of the year to really dive into a whole book of the Bible, um, sit with uh, people that have studied those chapters, um, far more wise theologians and thinkers than me that write on those chapters, sit with their writings, sit with the chapter them, sit with the books of the Bible themselves, sit with some of the stories and some of the understandings of faith and then think about how that applies. So in 2019, I sat with the Gospel of John and I had the great privilege over six months to quietly share through that whole book of the Bible. When we came over here, I used January to sit with the book of Revelation. And the overlap for me was that what I saw in the story of Revelation and John the Revelator, so John who was in prison, who wrote the book of Revelations to a New Testament church, a second generation church. So by the time of Revelation, the church had been going for maybe 80, 100 years, and it probably was a church that, after its initial energy and passion, was thinking, is this the right deal? We're tired. We've been at this for a while, and Rome is still the powerful kingdom of all ages. And John writes into that church that is a little worn out and a little tired and says, be of good faith. For you see, Jesus is like a lamb, and the lamb does ministry different to a lion. The people of the church are often looking for a lion to conquer, an army to get behind. But John reminded the church, as they were getting tired and they were a couple of generations old, that the Holy Spirit would renew them. And the story of Revelation is an exciting one because that church did not die off. That church grew and turned the world upside down with the love of Christ. The Roman Empire didn't persevere. And I had the great privilege of sharing from Revelation with all the churches last year and sharing that story. I saw lots of overlap between that New Testament church that felt a bit tired and a bit old and not sure what was happening, coming into a Church of Christ movement where it had been shared with me that there had been many tensions over the last few years, that in fact it was a church movement at times that was feeling a little worn out, a little old and a little asking the question, Is this it? Are we representing God? And particularly in a time where it felt like sometimes the world is just going to overrun the concept of love. It's been fascinating because I don't think 2020 got particularly easy. Uh, We've had the the, um, coronavirus, but we've also had uh, lots of groups of people be very clear about how on the edge they are feeling about the way the world works at the moment. There's certainly an understanding in the world where we live that if we can just let people accumulate as much money as they can, those people will be good. And those people, if they accumulate money through business and various things they do, will allow that money to, as it were, trickle on down and flow on down to everybody else that goes on. But I think we've seen in 2020 that with something as crazy as the global pandemic that Things don't tend to work that way. In 2020, Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, 
made billions and billions and billions of dollars as we all huddled in our homes and quickly went online and bought up what we could from wherever we could in the world. But I tell you what, the sad fact is most of those billions sit in Jeff Bezos' account. The idea that he would just let that money flow down to people that were losing their jobs and all sorts of things were happening did not occur And we've heard it said in Australia that for those that are on benefits because their health may be no good or they're not well enough to work or they just lost a job because jobs stopped happening and are doing it tough, and you'll hear that in the community and people around you, you'll hear that there's a sense that they are left to just sort it out for themselves. And Australia's a pretty good place. We put aside quite a bit of money to try and have people have something when they don't have a job and they do that. And of course, we still hear from people of different race and background and we saw it very much through 2020 where there were strong movements of people coming out into the community during that year to say, hey, we still find that we are discriminated because of the colour of our skin or because we come from a part of the world that you don't understand. Racial tensions remain high. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming because we're like, well, hang on, I, I thought we were aiming to be a community where We care for each other and be a part of each other and we have hope with each other. So leading into 2021 and a new year, I've been able to sit this year in the Book of Acts is the one I've been going through over January. Uh, The Book of Acts is quite a big chapter of the Bible. It sits after the gospel and the revelation and the stories that truth that we have of Christians of understanding who God is and was and will be is revealed in Jesus Christ. It's almost like the scaled eye view or the view of God that always has mist or fog about it that comes through the Old Testament. People trying to interpret and work out what's God like? That mist clears to a sunny day in Jesus Christ. If we ever had a doubt what God is like in Jesus Christ, we get that revealed in the Gospels, in the stories and the remembering of the way that Jesus lived his life on earth. But more than that, the revelation that Jesus was in fact God. Truth, love and hope. When we wonder as Christians or people who follow God, how might we respond to any situation? We have an easy reference point. What would Jesus have done? How would have Jesus interacted with that situation or that person? And it's exciting because what we discover is that the God of the universe, the very creator of everything, is in fact love, is in fact hope. In fact, responds in such an inclusive way that everything that Jesus Christ does is about trying to bring people back into relationship, into partnership, into function. So much so that when the world says, nah, we don't want to do this, we can see that what you've got planned, Jesus, in your plan is going to turn the world upside down. When the powers that be of the Roman Empire that understood that they preferred their system, which Caesar is God, and then he has a small Senate group and the leaders of the army, and they have all the money, all the power, all the wealth, and a little bit trickles down and some get few... They saw Jesus Christ as a threat to that system where everybody gets something and everybody has a chance. They saw that their kingdoms would be toppled and so they killed Jesus and they said, an end to the way of love. Well, it didn't happen. In Jesus Christ, we celebrate new life and new hope and resurrection. 
And then the people who followed Jesus and who were a part of that met together and said, we have no idea what happened. That was the New Testament church. That was the people that lived through and had the experience of living with and being a part of Jesus Christ amongst them. They had reached great despair for they'd reached the point where in their understanding this new way of life, this new promise, this fantastic person that actually said, I am God, and as they began to believe that this may actually be true, they watched this person be crucified and destroyed and their movement scattered. As we come to the end of the Gospels and we enter into what we recognise as Easter, we sense despair that maybe love will not triumph. But at the beginning of the book of Acts, you have a group of people who have actually now met Jesus Christ resurrected. And this is a very important part of our Christian faith. We don't just believe Jesus was a pretty good bloke or one of the best people that were. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus was actually God and that death could not succeed and that love would triumph. And so this group of people that had begun to follow Jesus Christ as the revelation of the God that they followed, the Jewish people, the disciples, at the beginning of Acts, we have their story. We have the story of the first group of people that formed the church that said, Jesus is God and we're going to start doing that. The group that got named Christians that hoped to bring love to all of creation. So I want to leave you with a few points. One of the real challenges in my role of being a state minister is I've only got halfway through Acts by the end of January. I was going through it, doing it. I didn't run out of time. I just got overloaded with the amazing amount of things to share. And I began to realise that, well, in my role, I usually get to go to a church, say hi for one Sunday and then bye and I might see you again next year. We have 54 different churches in our movement, so I tend to just be everywhere on a Sunday morning. So I remember last year one of the temptations can be, can I try and download you 16 chapters of Revelation in one Sunday? Dumb work. I can leave you with a little bit, but you've got to decide what you want to go and do that. And also, of course, you've got your own local working through the New Testament, working out who you are as followers of Jesus. So I can only give you a snapshot on Acts. I can only give you a taster. Maybe I'll encourage you to go away and do some of your own work. But more importantly, I also hope I can frame some thinking for you and give you some stuff to contemplate about who you want to be as a community that follows Jesus Christ and hopes to bring love and revelation to the people around you. So there's four little things I want to leave you before I finish up here. And these are some headlines from Acts. I think some of the things that we get in the book of Acts is we get an understanding of what it looks like to be spirit-led people. You see, the Holy Spirit is very much the promise of Jesus in action. At the end of the Gospels, we have the resurrection of Christ and Jesus returns to the disciples with his new body and the resurrected body and a hope of new life. But he doesn't hang around for very long. And of course, the question the disciples are left with is, so that's it? You're taking off? Are we left to do this by ourselves? Will this be in our own strength that we love each other? 
Will this be through our own might? Or will this just fade away and it was a moment and God goes back to being distance away? And Jesus says to the people, I promise you that another is coming. And this another was the Holy Spirit. What we understand is the third part of God. But in our unique understanding, we believe it is all one God. This is our Trinitarian understanding of one God that is three parts. And one part of the God that we follow is the Holy Spirit. And it is in Acts chapter 2 that it is the pivotal moment when you have the gathered followers of God in dysphoria. Dysphoria is a word used to describe a community that has been scattered from what was their original home. And in the Jewish people that followed God in the Roman Empire, they were scattered everywhere. And they would meet in a big centre like Jerusalem and come together. And they were all there in a meeting of following God. It was a diverse meeting because in that Acts chapter 2, we recognised that there were people there that didn't speak other people's language. And then the Holy Spirit comes and everyone now speaks the same language. The Holy Spirit is the connector of God. The Holy Spirit is the enabler of love. And that is one of the things that the book of Acts begins to do. It begins to connect people who at the end of the day you think should have no reason to be connected to each other. You read through Acts, you read through those 28 chapters and you have a look at all of those stories. You have a look at the second half of the book of Acts that is very much centred around the Apostle Paul. Paul begins the book of Acts wanting to destroy the church completely, to snuff out this early movement of following Jesus. Paul was a zealous Jew who I think, like Sir Douglas Nichols that I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, had anger consuming him and burning him up in such a way that when he saw Stephen praising God, he went and arranged a people to stone him to death. And it is in the way of people that misunderstand faith, and there are many of them, And faith can be difficult because you will find there are friends among us who claim the name of Jesus but will claim ways of violence, ways of the stone. And they are not our people and they are not our way because they let anger consume them. So Douglas Nicol was at risk of that and he didn't let that happen. He was filled with the spirit of Christ. Paul was that. He killed Christians to death. And the Holy Spirit connects him in and transforms him with love, takes that anger and turns it into something new and fresh through love. For those of you here that are angry or are feeling separated through your circumstances, I pray that this year is about finding the connection of the Holy Spirit and love. For you see, the other thing that Acts reveals is Acts is the revelation that Violence on behalf of God is finished, over, done with, no more. See, in the foggy recollection of the Old Testament, we have moments where people that follow God think, oh yeah, we have to go over there and kill those people. There are parts of the Old Testament where whole groups of people are wiped out in the name of God. But Jesus Christ comes and realigns that and says, you will not take life in my name. It is to be God's job to do that. And you will see in the book of Acts, this shift continuing to occur. 
you will see in the book of Acts that the act of violence on behalf of God is taken away. There are still attributions where death occurs and being of the way of God, there's difficulty in that, but it is not the people of God to act with the sword. And that's the second part of Acts. We are to follow the way of Jesus. We're not to force Jesus' hand. We're not to manipulate. We are to use community, love and connection as our way of being. If you can see a shortcut that you think will have an outcome that's good for people, but it means a group of people have to suffer or be picked on or experience violence, then it ain't the way of Christ. And that's another key point of the book of Acts. And the last point I'll leave you with that I think is relevant, that when you encounter Acts, is the complexity that exists in the New Testament church. It's not easy to have people so different connected together. And you see that, that when you work through all the various stories, you will see that it is a community of people trying to work out what does it look like for us to love each other so we can love the whole world. And at times that is put at threat throughout the story of Acts. Different groups of people decide, no, we won't do this. The Jewish leaders themselves decide they would prefer their old ways and are often throwing the apostles in jail, resisting the work of the Spirit. And I think that is something that can feel really true at the moment as a group of people that follow God. We can feel, and I don't know where you're at, but I've got friends who I've grown up with who were following Jesus when they were young but are now starting to sprout and say things as they get older which are violent or they want to be part of movements that really are just about trying to take over other people. For many people in the world, we've watched the United States, which has a lot of people that go to church and claim the name of Jesus. We've watched that nation fall apart in violence and hate. Will it ever be able to come back again or will it just disseminate into nothing? We don't know. But what's amazing is so many people claim the name of Jesus in that mess and then use ways of violence. It's complex. It's not that easy. We've all hopped online with the pandemic and we've all been using Zoom and we might be on Facebook more, but I tell you what, people will hop online and they'll start reading stuff and they'll read news reports and there are people that will end up, who are people that have faith, will end up following really wacko conspiracies online. I don't know if you've got friends now that are saying, hey, I've been reading something called Q or QAnon. I've gone to churches and had people come up to me and just say, Donald Trump is like Jesus come back to earth again. Get behind me, Satan. This is ridiculous. This is not what followers of Jesus says. And they're getting it from just being online all day, stuck at home and reading endless Facebook and absorbing it and absorbing it. Folks, you need to look after each other. You need to make sure that each of you are reading the word together, are praying together, are being informed by your leaders in this community about what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. You need to work out how to love each other. As the community of churches of Christ, we're a very strange church. We're very diverse. You have your own local leadership. So does other, every other church of Christ. It means when we come together of the churches of Christ, we often have different opinions. Can we connect with the spirit and love? Or do we just find each other irritating and we say, get stuff, we can't even do that together? For if we can't practice love together as the communities of Church of Christ, what will it look like for us to go out and love our neighbour? 
to love people that don't even acknowledge Jesus Christ, to share with them love, to give them hope, and hopefully eventually to reveal to them who Christ is so that they can choose to follow Jesus and be filled by the Holy Spirit in love and join us as a community of love. I'm going to stop there. I've already gone way too long. Thank you for having me. Um, That's the temptation of I get one Sunday to try and preach 24 sermons to you. So I apologise for that. Um, Yeah, I pray you have a wonderful year. Um, I pray as hopefully we move out of the coronavirus that as a community you'll continue to have revealed to you what it looks like to care and love each other. But not only to do that in an inward way as if other people don't matter, but continue to take risks to change and evolve because the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do some things different because the Holy Spirit is prompting you to find new people to love in the Brooklyn Park community or wherever you come from to be here. What does your neighbour need right now? What do the people in this community need from you? I am hopeful that you're going to have revealed to you some wonderful things and ways of following Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that in your Son we have the revelation of who you are and the truth of love. But then your Holy Spirit allows us to be connected to your Son, to actually be in partnership with your Son. I pray that you will again in us ignite love. For those of us that might be tired for whatever reason or might be struggling or might find that sometimes what we have is merely anger and not love. I pray that your Holy Spirit is always doing that gentle work of converting us to love. Lord, I pray as well as the Holy Spirit's work that each one of us are also connectors of the Holy Spirit and love. Lord, I pray that for those of us that are called to love angry people or people who are hurting and suffering, that you will strengthen us to do that role because it's often through us that you will share love to others. Lord, I pray you also discern to us what the needs of our community are. Find ways to help us share the love of Jesus with those around us and also who Jesus Christ is. I pray you're with us as we leave here this morning. Amen. Thank you.